1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. It is episode 557, I believe. Uh, A couple quick announcements. Coming up in a couple weeks, we will be at the Indiana Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo. Come out and see us. That's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday show. We are doing some live podcasts. I believe this is, uh, let's get the show info. It's the 23rd through the 26th. Does that sound right? Yeah, it's the 23rd through the 26th of February coming up here. Indianapolis, Indiana, Indiana State Fairgrounds. We are doing a couple live podcasts on the seminar stage. So come out, sit in the crowd. We're probably going to take questions and kind of like crowd work, hang out with everybody, have a good time. Um, we're going to be next to our friends Big Time and the boys at Novix Tree stands at that show. So come out and see the boys. It's going to be kind of the party row there at the show. Um, and then the following weekend, we will be in Des Moines, Iowa at the Iowa Deer Classic. That's the Iowa Event Center, uh, March 3rd through the 5th. And we will also be there with our boys of that show as well. That's uh, we consider Iowa Deer Classic, Illinois Deer Classic, like our two home shows. So, uh, of course, hopefully see you maybe at both shows, Indiana and Iowa. But if not, uh, we'll see see you guys. Hopefully, there at both. They're always a good time. We love the shows. Um, I know we do a lot of them, so <laughs> they they don't really lose their steam. Last year we 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 did a lot more shows, like we did Harrisburg. We didn't do Harrisburg this year. It's actually going on right now. Um, That's just a grind. It's far away. Uh, We're taking a step back a little bit from some of those, but doesn't mean that we won't cycle those back in uh, maybe next year. So uh, those are the two upcoming shows, Indiana Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo, Indianapolis, Indiana, Iowa Deer Classic, Iowa Event Center, Des Moines, Iowa, March 3rd through the 5th. So hopefully we will see you there. Uh, The podcast is brought to you by Elite Archery. Um right now we're gonna talk about the Omnia. Now there is a new carbon Era that's out, but the Omnia is the flagship um, aluminum riser bow, uh 32 inches axle axle, six inch brace height, uh draw links adjustable, twenty four and a half to thirty inches, peak weights forty to seventy, um three hundred and forty seven feet per second IBO. scooting. Um I went all black with mine, all uh ninja black. I think I'm gonna rock both my bows, I'm going to have an arrow as well. I think I'm going to rock them all blacked out just for the year and uh, switch it up. I was kind of like playing with other colors, so but I'm running black on black this, this time around. So uh, still working on a code from Elite. We'll get that going. Um, also, Novix tree stands. Uh, you can get on there. We do have a code that is active now, and that code is WCB10 ready to rock hunt ready systems, hang on tree stands, climbing sticks, accessories, merch. Um, they got it all. Their merch is kick ass. Uh, they're getting a bunch of awesome designs set up and rocking, um, hoodies, uh, like a lot of classic looks. Um, big shout out to Ashley Cox. She got us our merch sent out, uh, really fast. So we're going to be rocking a bunch of the new Novix gear. Uh Check out the Hunt Ready systems if you're looking for a new mobile setup, uh, a Made in America mobile setup. um, You can rock the Hilo Hunt Ready system, and they have an Echo Hunt Ready system available. comes with the stand, of course, sticks, um, and stick quiver. So check that shit out. Or if you just, you already got your own sticks or whatever you do, you can still just buy the stand on their own, the Hilo or the Echo, Um, and that's your preference on what you like. Uh, I like them both. Check them out. Code WCB10 novixoutdoors.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Huntworth, huntworthgear.com. Get on there. Heat boost is the jam, Uh, up to 30% warmer. Um, I love the fit of it. Uh, I went shed hunting yesterday, and I wore a heat boost jacket just over a hoodie, and I actually ended up having to take the damn thing off by the time I was done shed hunting. So good problems. You want to be warm. Um, and right now they do have a sale going on uh, on a lot of their stuff. Uh, 30, 35% off, uh, 20% off. There's a whole bunch of big sale on their heat boost stuff. So now would be the time to get on and snag some of that. And if you missed that sale, you can always go back and use code WCB15 and save yourself some coin. Um, our boys at Buckstorm work with them guys as well. So. And if they're using that where they're at, it's good shit. Podcast also brought to you by Big Time. You will see uh, Big Time with us at the shows. We're actually, this is, a, this is a, this is, we've been a dealer for Big Time for about a year, but I think as we get moving more and we're working on this neighboring building, we might become a more, um, I guess more active as our dealership for big time food plot seed and supplemental feed. So if you're a local listener and you want to buy some big time seed, um, mineral attractants, all that stuff, um, Hit us up. We can figure that out for you. But we are the dealer at the Indiana show. We are at all the trade shows. We're the official authorized dealer for Big Time. So uh, BigTime.com. If you don't want to buy it directly through us, you can go to their website, and you can use code WCB2023. Save yourself some coin. I think that works for everything, and I will double-check on soil test kits. Um, it's about time to start thinking about that coming in hot, which is uh crazy. To even think about that it's coming up that fast but it'll be here before we know it um old barn taxidermy uh they have a new line of forms out g2 forms um so you can get basically if you're nowhere near old barn taxidermy you still want a little piece of old barn love and your taxidermy game and save some money and have your taxidermy save some money in their product a good american made product um old barn taxidermy g2 forms just Get in touch with Old Barn, Sam, Colton, Linda. They'll get your taxidermy set up with some forms and get them out. And uh, they have a ton of great options or great-looking forms. We have – shit, I have to count. We have a ton of them hanging right outside the studio wall where I'm sitting right now in here. So um, great on display. But check out Old Barn Taxidermy and G2 Forms. So lo- love, love, love that company. They're the, they're the best. Um, Loophole Optics, uh, they – right now, if you go to loophole.com. they have a how-to understanding the number – Numbers on your binoculars, it's one of those things I always forget, but this is a great read um, right on their homepage right now, loophole.com, talks about the magnification, objective diameter, uh, field of view, and kind of does a breakdown of each, so you can really better understand what the numbers are on your binos, and then if you don't have a set of loopholes yet, but you're in the market, that might help you understand what you really need for the application of what you're going to use it most for. Um, so, check out loophole.com. Love working with those guys. Love the products. Been using the shit out of them, especially coming into these two Mexico podcasts that we're going to do. I lived through my loopholes. So, um, you got to invest in good stuff. And loophole optics is good shit. Uh, Victory podcast is also brought to you by Victory Archery. Did you guys hear the podcast the other week from ATA? Ton of great. Well, I felt like they were great questions to me, but then I kind of felt dumb for asking some of the questions I asked about carbon and stuff like that. But they really are the carbon arrow experts. Uh, They have an arrow that fits everything you need from hunting, target, even crossbow bolts, youth, traditional. They have it all. Um, Check out victoryarchery.com. And uh, one more thing. We do have a new code for DeerCast. So if you go to DeerCast.com, you can use code wc ten. And that saves you money on your Elite Plus and unlimited memberships. So that's what is awesome now that we finally have a code again. We did have one the first year, but um, new code Deercast. There's mapping, there's tools. There's DeerCast track, endless, the whole jury library. You get all the working class on DeerCast, video podcasts on there. You get the 100% wild podcast, everything. It's the shit. The mapping alone is awesome. So save yourself some money. Code WC10 at DeerCast.com. You have to go to DeerCast.com for that to work for Elite Plus and unlimited memberships. Check it out. WC10. All right. I'm gonna get into this episode. Hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, recorded straight from a house hunting camp in middle of Mexico. Real deal. Authentic. Um, I'm done rambling. Hopefully you enjoy this. Later. I'm Chase Rawlson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi,
2: I'm Taylor Drury from
1: Drury Outdoors.
2: Hey, this is Nick Lutton from Bow
1: Clicker. Hey, this is Melissa Bachman. Working Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast.
2: Working Class Bowhunter
1: Podcast Working Class Bowhunter Working Class hunter. Working Class, bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class bow hunter. That's right, this is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket The working man, just like me and you My name's
2: Travis T-Bone Turner from the Bone Collector Thank you for tuning in
1: Nobody pushes the envelope like Working Class Bowhunter It's really, really not that good, good.
3: good. Working yeah. Class Working yeah
0: welcome back to another episode of the working class bow hunter That's on today's it. episode we have with us devin leonard overall good guy cemetery buck killer and box club man boom <laughs> also next to me we have eric chesser killer of the famous Fireball and owner of get hushin and yours truly shed crazy yeah i gotta do me uh, <laughs> I can't. On my left
1: here, we have Kurt as well, world record snorer and yeah. champion of sleeping. Yes.
2: And the big ball buck killer. Oh, big, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a better
1: title. I'll take that. I'm embarrassed about the snoring. More proud of the big ball buck. You know what I mean? Right. It's no fireball. Fireball. Ball. Ball. But we got it. Well, we're in Mexico, boys. This is, uh, I would say it's the first podcast I've recorded out of the country. I, well, it's the one that will make air. I recorded one in Brazil. And I didn't like I lost the recording, um, so
3: you guys didn't do any in Africa.
1: Oh fuck! Yeah, we did that. I forgot okay. about Africa. First Never mind. Sorry, guys. <laughs> all it fine. sounded. Good, I was trying to build this up to make it something, and <laughs> I just ruined
2: it. Hey, It's yeah. the first one in Mexico. It's the
1: first one in Mexico. So we're hunting MMWs. That's a title I made up today on the mountain. On the hill, mini Mexican whitetails. Uh, I like it. So, or also known as a coos deer. It's um,
2: pronounced. Cows. Is that really how it is pronounced? <laughs> yeah, I had someone on the someone on the comments on a YouTube video was like you need to show more respect to these animals. It it's pronounced Cows deer from like Dr. Mr. Cows or whatever, and I'm like, dude, it will never be Cows deer. Isn't that like
1: an an ongoing argument? I think like that'll probably never go away. Yeah, the
0: guy that discovered them pronounced his own last name Cows apparently, but he named it after himself, so it's probably just an arrogant. Coos
1: just sounds better though, really. But I I gotta say, I'm getting some shit, not a little, just a couple people messaged me because I've joked around saying I won't go hunt southern whitetails because. Well, seasons kind of align with the Midwest, and if I have big deer in the Midwest, I'm not going to leave deer to go hunt other deer, southern deer, southern typically smaller deer. Not hating on the southern states, it's like, just what do you mean, like Texas, like those yeah, like or deserts, Louisiana, and Alabama, Georgia deer, something like that. But I live in Illinois, mm-hmm. you know, so the mecca of whitetail. Yeah, so people are like, the guy won't go down south to hunt whitetails, but he's in Mexico hunting coos deer. Well, yeah. that's
2: like a little further south. Doesn't it's, quite count, but I don't yeah. consider.
1: Do you guys consider a a coos deer? We're just going with that for the records. If it pisses you off, um, shut it off. But it's it's not. It's a whitetail, yes, but it's not. Also, it is. It's yeah, like a, I a subspecies. Right. I yeah. consider yeah. it different.
2: It's different. Definitely different.
1: Yeah. What do you guys think? Like, you guys have hunted tails in the Midwest before? A little bit.
2: Yeah, a few times.
1: What's that experience like for you guys? Because you guys are obviously Western based.
0: Yeah. Um, the the times that I've really done it, I went to uh, Ohio one time mm-hmm. to, like, a really high-quality whitetail place where it's, like, trophy bucks only. You don't shoot anything that's under, you know, that's not a known buck, basically. Yeah. And I shot a buck that wasn't a known buck. Uh, and there, I don't think it made anybody too happy. But um, that was cool. I, like, got the true hardwood experience. I was mm-hmm. all about that. And then the other one we did is we had a small lease for a year in Kentucky, and we did an early season. Oh, yeah. And then I killed a, a velvet buck on the opener in Kentucky. But, really, that's the only... I think that's the only archery whitetail I've still ever killed
1: is a velvet buck in Kentucky. No kidding. So, yeah. What about you,
0: Eric? Yeah, I've
2: been to a few states. I've been able to kill whitetail in Kentucky, um, both mm-hmm. of them early season. One of them guided. One of them do it yourself. The guided one was piles of corn. Yeah. You know, the bucks coming in. They had trail cams of them all. They they kind of had your, like, these are shooters. Yeah. These are management bucks, et cetera. I shot a management buck is the only thing that kept coming in. Um, shot a early season white tail in kentucky just diy with ben and our our, our buddy jay mm-hmm. and that was a fun hunt martin was actually there he who's here in camp with us yeah we hunted a ground blind which we set up ourselves, kind of the diy thing and had a buck coming in and almost got him like yeah really really close and then ben saw some bucks in, in like this big pasture, mm-hmm. like CRP, it wasn't really like ag field or anything. Yeah, just that. tall it grasses. Tall yeah. grass. Mm-hmm. It was like mm-hmm. in a reseed area where they're trying to like yep. re- bring back like a, a coal mine or some type of mine. Right, it's a reclaim. Yeah. Yeah, CRP yeah, re- is like the reclaimed. blanket
1: term for just like. Just a bunch of stuff. Grass. Yeah, gra- it could, CRP could be grass, trees. You know, there's so many different programs. But,
2: but that was a pretty fun one because I had the tree saddle, had never used it, but climbed in the tree saddle solo. Mm-hmm. Everyone helped me, you know, trim some trees and sure enough. The buck that I had been hunting was hitting that, but so was this other nine point. And the nine point came in and offered a shot. So I, I shot him at like mm-hmm. 20 yards. These guys got to see it from the truck. It ran right at him towards oh, the Oh, no kidding.
1: Do you, uh, do you guys find that enjoyable? I mean, do you guys sound like you've had like one side of the flavor of like baited type hunt and then more of the DIY hunt? like. Is, is that, And I hate to always go that when we have, like, Western guys on the podcast and boys like, mule deer or whitetails, and mm-hmm. it's, like, just, like, regurgitated, like, conversation. But you guys have actually just, like, come, come out, like, do white Midwestern whitetails, does it, like, hold interest for you, or do you even care? Or like
2: Yeah, like, I, I went out to Kansas again. This was another, um, a guided hunt, and it was, like, dropped me off at the ground blind, and I shot a freaking smoker, non-typical, like, 170, yeah. 180 type of buck within the first, hour of my hunt no shit and i i like legit forget about it like because i put in no work i put in no effort Mm. and it's like it's literally the dream whitetail yeah and when i see it i like forget about it so there's not a lot of memory there doesn't hold a lot of value to me Mm -hmm. but i'd say the hunts i've been on um, I've never done it. Like I've never had that rut hunt. I'm dying. I'm itching to get the rut hunt.
1: Like Chris, November morning. Yes, in the dude, hard I, I want
2: to see that. I want to see it in person. I want to hear the calling. I want to try rattling all that stuff yeah. I've done. I've done early and I've done late. And then like, like early October. Mm-hmm. Um, but those hunts to me, like, are kind of, I call them vacation hunts, similar yeah. to this one, you know? Right, right, yeah. It's more about the food, the camaraderie. You're, you're actually, like, with your friends a lot more. You spend a lot more time at yep. at camp or the cabin or whatever you're staying in. Mm-hmm. Um, but those hunts are fun, and I would I would love to go do more whitetail hunts, yeah. specifically in the rut.
1: Yeah, I, that's like the, that's what I guess as a, you know, born and raised Midwestern whitetail hunter, that's what I think everyone needs to experience to understand, like, the the camp is a beautiful thing, and that's, like, part of it. But, like, the, the crisp mornings of, like, sitting there waiting on a buck and hearing it come crunching through the leaves, and it's 10 yards, yeah. and it's, like, just perfect. But I always just wondered that because I get why, like, I get why Western hunters, I know it's mostly jokingly, throw shade at Midwestern hunting. I get it. I understand it. And most of it's, like, pretty deserved. Um, but I think there's, like, just how you guys have your top – 10% of guys who are like killers, mm-hmm. there is the same type of like, uh, I guess like layers to it, you know, with like Midwestern white whitetail hunting, like you got your bums and then it just goes up to the dudes that are just consistent, calculated man. killers, yeah. you yeah. know, so for sure. Um, but it's hard to see that until like, you know, I know that from meeting Devin and, you know, Clint hunts a lot out West. Like I get to see yeah. some of the, the top tier type guys, mm-hmm. but other than that, I'd be like, Oh, yeah, it's all rifle hunters, and it's just they go out. You know what I mean? It's like you can, I guess, kind of make fun of each other both in, like, kind of healthy ways. Yeah. I think it's important a little bit, but.
2: It's so different, right? I I feel like from what I've done whitetail uh, hunting, it seems like a lot of the effort is preseason. Yeah. the amount of work that the guys are putting in, trimming, doing crops, like planting, scouting. Mm -hmm. That's pretty wild, you know, like what we did in. Kentucky, we went out there summer. We trimmed the grass. Yeah. Like, there was just so much preseason work yeah. that went into a successful, you know, two or three days opening season.
1: Yeah, a lot of it's it's more, you're trying to get in front of a whitetail and more a calculated way. And there's people who just go and they get lucky, right? But, like, be consistent on, like, a mature one. Yeah. It takes more year-round work than it does just, like, going out and finding one. Yeah. Even though, like... I still think the mystery of, like, going hunting and not knowing what's out there mm-hmm. is kind of like a lost art in a way or kind of a, an allure that's kind of going with trail cameras. love trail cameras, yeah. but I don't know if you guys you guys can't run them in Utah anymore, can you?
0: No, they changed it so you can't run them during hunting season. I think it's, oh. like, July 31st. You have to have them down by, and then I think they're close till the first of the year again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can use them kind of as a preseason scouting tool, but – the way we, I mean, we use them all the time during season just to see what was showing up. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's kind of back to being a mystery, but also it kind of sucks really bad.
1: Yeah, like you kind of want to know yeah. what you're doing. But do you feel like do you feel like trail cameras kind of kept you guys? I don't know, I mean the heart I don't want to like go deep on this overrated trail camera conversation because it's just overplayed. But do you feel like real quick? Do you feel like it made you not go to certain areas when maybe you should have because a, you know you didn't have the one picture of the deer you wanted to hunt or the quality of deer. Does yeah. that make sense, that question? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, like, I would avoid tree stands because the one side of the tree didn't show the buck I wanted to hunt. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I should have gone there because he was on the other side of the tree. <clears> it's, yeah, so.
0: it's possible that you're missing out on stuff just didn't walk in front of your camera for sure. We mostly just use them as a tool to target specific animals. Yeah. Like, what's he doing? Where's he at right now? Or, like, some of the units I hunt, like for elk, um, they're super high hunter pressure and everything. So it's nice to be able to throw up a camera and be like – yeah, there's actually a bull here mm-hmm. worth trying to hunt for sure. So I don't know. It's it, it, it goes both ways, but the element of surprise is cool. Mm-hmm. But losing that tool sucks.
1: Yeah, I agree, Devin. You can you can throw in any input at any time.
3: Well, I think we needed to, <laughs> you know ask the question: Who is Ben with Shed Crazy? Well, who I'm, is Eric man. with Hushin? We kind
1: of just dove into it. My bad. Because straight, you know, these too. guys
3: are a big deal out west. Yeah. So, Eric, who are you, and what is Hushin?
2: Uh, well, I'm Eric Chesser. I'm turning 40 this year on April 1st. I've been lugging around a, a camcorder video camera since I was like 15, 16. That's crazy, yeah. You know, and again, if you do the math, at my age of 40, just, that was the years when not many people, the kids, had cameras and were out documenting. Yeah. You know, I hate to put and a, filming and stuff, a title but... on you, but that's like OG level <laughs> age. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure, yeah. It is. It was, yeah, I actually enjoyed filming wildlife, finding shed antlers long before I decided to hunt, to kill. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's a story in itself, but um, right now, I I have two partners in Hushin, or Hush, that some people know about it. It's a lifestyle brand and a media company. Mm -hmm. We utilize social media platforms such as YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, to uh, put out digital content, and with that, we've been able to build a brand that offers apparel and some small knickknacks and accessories. But, uh, yeah, so early on, I'd say, in the YouTube stage, uh, my partner Casey was doing this Hushin' with Levere channel mm-hmm. um, because his whole family did YouTube for a living. And we met and... Did it for a living? They did it for a living. They're family vloggers. No just kidding. filming their day-to-day life and then... Just the- not, not necessarily hunting focused or not just... Not yet, no. Nope. This, is, this is before all that, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, He started a channel because that was his passion. That's what he really wanted to share. But at the time, the hunting audience just wasn't on YouTube. Right. So he kind of built that on the side and then eventually brought on myself and my partner, uh, Brian, BMAC, we call him. And since then, we've just kind of ran with the playbook. that We call it the playbook, you know, just content, lots of content. And uh, with that, we've been able to, you know, get some good partners and sponsors and Mm -hmm. really grow our lifestyle brand. That's Uh, awesome, man. We're, we're all three of us are doing that full time. We've been doing that for like three or four years that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we get to go hunt and fish and travel and shed hunt and make videos for a living.
1: How long have you been doing like
2: hunting industry related stuff full time? Uh, well I'd say like even, even early on in like my career, I always wanted to figure out how to make a living doing what I love, which is hunting Mm -hmm. and filming. So before that I was with a group out of Utah called Tines Up and we were doing DVDs and had a chat forum back when the internet was popular, like hunting chat forums and stuff like that. Yeah, back in
1: the archery talk heydays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of
2: stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even before that, I was always trying to do something in hunting, so I, I did. So I filmed for uh, some hunters. Um, I did have my guide license for a couple years in Utah. So always trying to just be out in the woods as much as I can and, and somehow try to figure out how to make a living doing it, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, like you guys know that, The the social platforms, the podcast platforms finally open those doors for people who love to share. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, that's where I'm at right now, and that's kind of what I do. And Just good friends with Devin. I know him from just like the hunting community in Salt Lake. We've got some mutual friends, and he's known to be the big buck killer (laughs) in Salt Lake, you know, the Wasatch King, I call him. (laughs)
3: So, dude, what I'm curious is, so from when you started. Hey, pull your mic a little closer. Oh, there we go. All right, dude. So from when you originally started, like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to make a living. Because you went from filming as a kid for fun because you love doing it. And at some point, maybe it was with Time's Up or before Time's Up, you you said, hey, I want to do this for a living. And, dude, I just remember watching you grind it and grind it and grind it. And for those that know Eric and Hush, dude, it's like you guys are on top of the world right now out west. Like you guys are doing it for a living. It's, you know, most – influence people that want to be an influencer in the hunting industry it's their dream to do what you guys have done mm-hmm. but i've seen you go through that grind so talk about the grind and that time frame and then to where you're like damn we made it
2: yeah so um when i was 15 16 um i asked for a video camera for christmas mm-hmm. and my parents I-, I know them i'm sure they had to go finance it down at the local rc willie it's like the electronic <laughs> yeah. store in utah and, and just make payments on it. But I got a high video camera and I started filming wildlife, filming my shed hunts, and even talking into the camera as if there was an audience, which. No kidding. Yeah. like before I'd your time vlog, Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, that's awesome. Uh, hey guys, you know, I'm coming in on this bull elk. I'm bugling him in. And, yeah, and really looking back on it, what it meant for me to film that stuff was an opportunity to share it with a handful of people when I got home. Mm-hmm plugging in the audio video jacks and yeah. if i can get a couple buddies to sit down and watch it or you know my parents to watch it i really wanted to show them what i thought they were missing out on because mm-hmm. it wasn't popular in my high school in in basically salt lake city to be a hunter and to find shed antlers i didn't have any friends yeah. that did these things
1: and was your dad a hunter yes he was okay. yep. i'm just around but i was just curious yeah. you know
2: yep um so he got me into hunting but yeah that's 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 where it all started to you know really started to pick up. I love to document and I love to share. Mm-hmm. And so as that progressed into like the first time the internet came around, which is a pretty funny story, I, I got sold on a multi-level marketing like scheme. type Yeah. Of thing. yeah. And it was, we all it, have at one point, the old MLM. Oh it. yeah. They were like wildfire in Utah, but it yeah. was burn lounge and burn lounge would sell MP3s. And you know, when the guy came over and we had the meeting and he had the audience and I was in there his pitch was like, Hey guys, CDs and DVDs will be no more. And everyone's going to have to download digital content on the computer and MP3s were starting to pop. So I totally was like, yes, this guy's a forward thinker. Like I'm in. So I bought in. I bought Cult. into my <laughs> multi-level marketing thing Yeah. and uh, you had to create a website name, right? Burnlounge.com forward slash whatever you want. And yeah. mine was burn Lounge kid. Really? So, Burn Lounge. I never even heard of that for the record. I know. Yeah, they, they had a lawsuit, and I got like a fifty dollars check one day. and All that. It's kind of random to be like they had a big class action lawsuit. Um, but Burn Lounge kid was my username. Well, what it did, Burn Lounge, because I, you know, bought into this multi-level marketing thing. I needed a computer to have the internet. Mm-hmm. So I went down to RC Willie and financed myself a big old big old tower and monitor and all that. And I got old compact. Yep. Got got myself the computer and and the parents got dial up internet there at the house. (laughs) And, and I just started, that's when I discovered chat forums, things like monster muleys and muley madness. And Mm -hmm. I started becoming really active on there, but going back to what Devin said. So that's kind of the early stage of like creating content and sharing it because, on the chat forums, I consumed content, which I still do. Mm-hmm. I, I really mm-hmm. enjoy watching other people put out stories and content and you, yeah. YouTube videos and Instagrams and whatever. So I, when I would consume all this content, literally anything I can find on Monster Muley's, I'm reading, the shed antler section I love because I love antlers. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying all the content, and sharing was my way of giving back to that community. So I'm like, oh, if, if there's guys like me that love to look like yeah. I should share – to just kind of share my story tap into that. Yeah. So that's kind of where it all started to materialize. And like, I love to love to document mm-hmm. with the purpose of sharing. Right. Yeah. So I'd say like out of high school, you kind of are in that, that phase of life where everyone's wondering <laughs> what you're going to do, what yeah. your career will be. And I really loved, um, photography class in high school. Cause we got to develop our own black and whites and do the whole dark room thing. Yeah. And I was filming, So I was like, I should go to school to be a photographer. You know, that's when you, that's when you like, I remember pulling up the chart of like professions and like average incomes. And so you always are trying to find like a profession that you (laughs) kind of like that has a decent average income, you know? Yeah. And wildlife photographer, like didn't make a lot of money, but it was, it sounded cool. So, um, yeah, I just out of high school didn't really know what to do, but I knew I wanted to just make money somehow. Yeah. Doing what I loved, you know, going mm-hmm. out, filming wildlife, whatever. So, I just kept documenting, kept sharing, and um, I actually met my friend Jim Giles at Sportsman's Warehouse. So again, just putting my play myself in places like Sportsman's Warehouse, where you're constantly around people who hunt. Yeah. And I I met Jim Giles there. He was just a customer, and I was selling him boots. I was in the boot department, mm-hmm. and he offered me to come film hunts on what we call a CWU in Utah. It's basically enough private land that it's large enough that it creates its own unit. Oh dang. Um, so he's like, yeah, I manage the CWU. You can come and film our hunt. So like, I was like, I'm in. So the next time I talked to him, I'm like, dude, I quit my job. I'm ready. He's like, Whoa, <laughs> wait, what? Like quit your job. You know? I mean, I thought you'd just come help. Whenever yeah. Just you like it just to do it. Yeah. Jim honestly took me under his wing. Uh, Jim and his friend, Barry, Took me under their wing, and I was always filming for them and their, yeah, uh, their kids and any hunt that they had attached to, I would, I'd go film for them. So that's when I first started creating some income going out filming. Yeah, yeah. So he um, hired you then? Yeah, he kind of hired like, me. Shit, I gotta hire. Yeah, him now. pretty much. You know, <laughs> I felt guilty. Nice, nice move. Yeah, guilt him into a job. Still good friends with him to this day, and we've been texting about Mexico and stuff. He comes down here quite a bit. Uh huh. So that's when I'd say you know started to create a little bit of income. Doing hunting, yeah. doing filming, but that's just not enough, right? It's only a couple months season long. And so then... you're telling me that you don't just hunt for a living? <laughs> it's
1: like not... everybody thinks you do. Yeah, it's not that easy, <laughs> man.
2: But that was, uh, yeah, just get, scrape them by, you know, I'd yeah. go out and get a summer job, landscaping, construction, just to get by to the next hunting season. Yeah. And I did that for years, like years and years. And then. Partnered up with the guys at Tines Up. That was kind of the next phase, which we were doing DVDs and chat forums and going mm. to the hunting expo. And honestly, at at its time and its peak, at least in the Utah crowd, it was pretty popular. I, it, I remember
1: seeing that, and I'm not in the Western yeah. crowd at all, which is like an untapped market for – it's just different. There's like a divide a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway.
2: But that, that was kind of the next phase was – uh, I learned a lot more on editing. You know, we did DVDs and had some movie premieres. That's what started that, mm-hmm. um, and that lasted probably four years. Me doing that with them full time, and again, I was making eighteen hundred bucks a month. And I'd say all through my twenties and early thirties, I made no more than twenty grand a year, really doing that kind of stuff. And I'd, I'd go get jobs randomly, you know, in between to kind of help substitute. But I wouldn't say it really was like that moment, like you said, Devin, where it's like, okay, this is working. This is going until like five years ago, you know, I started, I partnered up with Casey and Hush and I went full-time instantly. Mm-hmm. Like on all these partnerships, I had I'm usually the first one to say, I'll do it. You know, like, yeah, I'll, I'll live off not much and yeah. just to give this thing a try. And it worked, man. We got on that YouTube wave early. Um, a lot of the. It was really tough conversations with partners at that time. Cause they're like, so what you make YouTube videos with like all the, they're yeah. all on there with all the crazy cat videos. Like, what oh you yeah, yeah." You know? and, but we just believed in the platform. We believed in digital content. We saw the window and, and we were there, you know, arguably could be, you could say first or right in there yeah, oh, yeah. in the early stages of YouTube and just committed to it. And yeah, I'd say about five years ago, it was kind of like, I can make a, a good living Yeah, hunting, you know? Yeah. And I when I started out, I was uh, sending out every order. You know, we had an e-commerce store. I was doing all the orders, doing mm-hmm. all the YouTube, doing all the content. And slowly, you start Just hiring that out and stuff. Yep. So it's been a grind, man. I, I'm like I said, I'm 40 this year. So 35, 34 was probably that time where it's like, hey, this you can give this a go and actually make yeah make a good living.
1: Damn, dude, that is a grind. But it's cool. It's like your passion, your commitment to it, and then not being scared of like doing some work to do to get after it like yeah. i kind of felt like lost too out of high school it's like yeah what do you want to be i'm like dude i'm 17 i mm-hmm. don't know what i want to be you know but i didn't i didn't care about anything but i was so scared to go full time like nervous like
2: on the podcast
1: yeah you know like it was it it you know not to bore you with my story but it just you know it took time to grow and it got to a point i'm like ah, i probably could and then my mm-hmm. dad passed away a couple of years ago it was like well, if I don't try it now, then I'm going to just always kick my own ass. Yeah, always, yeah. you know. When I'm 55 and I'm like, man, I'll retire in 10 years or whatever, you know. So it was kind of like a, just a big, I don't know, like it was a mental hurdle is what it was. And yeah. I it's think- sad to say it took that to make me do it, but it made me realize, like just try yeah, it. You got to go for it, right? Yeah,
2: just buckle down. So I don't know. I think there's a special type of person that, has something burning in their head and their heart so hard that they have to try it. You know, you're at work, but you're mentally just thinking about, you know, you got something else to offer this world. You feel like
1: you're in like a, you almost feel trapped.
2: Yeah, you do. And, And if you ever talk to Taylor young, our good friend with Devin, he's got, I mean, I, I love hearing him because he'll be like, dude, I remember we'd be in that call center, you know, on the phone, and all you would think about, talk about is hunting and filming and yeah. going, and you need to go do these things. And Yeah. Yeah, man, that's how I was. I was just burning in me all day, 24-7. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think hunting passion, like if you're really into hunting, which you have to be if you're going to, like, work in the space because you have to be willing to do the work on the other end because – you don't. You don't. No one really hunts for a living. Like mm-hmm. it's. It
2: looks like it. you know? Yeah. Like, you don't. You don't go on a hunt and then like check shows up. Yeah. You don't yeah, kill. Right. A, you don't <laughs> kill a buck or a bull and like sponsors start sending <laughs> checks. Yeah. yeah. That's Damn. He not really, how it works Yeah. He killed all.
1: that nice. Here's a check. Yeah. It's <laughs> like oh check. you got to do some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't
0: God. think a lot of people understand that too. I think there's a lot of people standing on the sidelines who are like, well I'm a better hunter than them, so I should
1: make more money than them. I'm like, Bro, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. How long have you been in the in the game full time or? Just I guess in general, because yeah, yeah, the backstories are fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I've been in full time. I'm about to hit six years in the next day or two. I guess. So, congrats! Thank you. Congrats to you. I didn't tell you. Yeah, congrats. thank It's amazing, man. So yeah. is
3: the next day is it tomorrow? Twenty
0: the 21st. It'll be six years. Dude, that's my birthday, bro. Dang. Yeah, that's Dang. the day. What's up? That's the day. I walked out of my job and was like, "Screw this! I'm never going back." what did you do before? Um, I did a lot of different things. I did granite for a lot of years with my dad. He owns a company that makes. Uh, headstones and stuff like that oh no kidding yeah we did that for about eight eight or nine years and Mm -hmm. then i was going to uh paramedic school i was doing my emt i was going to be a a paramedic and then a firefighter but i just lost interest in that but i had another job too i was a custodian at a high school and that was for me like the best place to be because it gave me like so much time every day just to chill yeah and like I, I could do my work in like two, I I like that, though. In like two hours or three hours and then it's like man i got six hours to kill and it was like instagram did you work did you work on hunting stuff at that yeah point? that's all i did is make stupid videos for instagram like i would just sit on my phone and and like i made instagram a couple of years prior and it was just like i like shed hunting so i want to post it on there yeah but i would just sit like in my janitor's closet and try to think of stupid like funny videos and i would just post them on instagram and they started popping off and started getting a following and then I kind of got to know these guys, um, through social media and they, you re- shared some of my stuff. We kind of became friends and Oh, just through the interaction of like, you have like popular videos or funny videos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of like that. And then I, I kind of knew you before. Yeah.
2: So I'll, I'll chime in here real quick. So <laughs> when Instagram started doing like stories or short videos or Rails whatever was show, first, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Ben, you know, would pop up and have these funny videos. And I remember I just went to his page, followed him and then just hit the message button and it said, Hey man, these videos are freaking funny. You need to not stop. Like this is awesome. But when I sent it, it auto populated our previous message. You know how it would do that? Like it would come from unread. Well, there's a oh, there's yeah. like three or four messages from Ben and not a single reply from me ever. Oh, damn. But one of them's <laughs> like, hey, man, I really love your Fire Bull Elk hunt video. Like, I'll share it on my Monster Bulls Facebook page. That. So, like, I had seen that he uh, had reached out to me before. Through, like, the request, message Yeah, but I yeah. had never said anything to him. But um, that that's kind of how... That's how we no connected. Kid. Yeah, I had just this, through Instagram. this
0: Facebook page called Monster Bowls. I forgot about that. I started, yeah. had like five or 6,000 followers. I thought it was a pretty big deal. Hell yeah. And he would just share, always oh, a share page for people's elk. They would send them in and I'd be like, Mark W, you got this great bull. Congrats. Like, <laughs> 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 <is> so stupid. <laughs> it's awesome, dude. That, those are cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are, right? People well, just follow along because they want to see what everybody's killing. And yeah, it like, yeah. It's like the, I don't know, the wall of the, the gun store, you know? yeah. But, yeah, so when you – That's hilarious. I remember when you killed the fire bull, that was, like, a big deal. You were still hanging around Tines Up, and I remember seeing that bull and be like, dang, this is cool. But we kind of started talking more and more. Uh, I got to know Casey a little bit, too, through social Mm -hmm. and BMAC. And then uh, I think I decided that I was going to start – I was going to try to pull the trigger on it. I, I, I jumped away early, you know, like you guys you, guys, you guys had to grind it out forever. I was so dumb. I was just like, dude, I love that though. This is like, dude. You know
1: how many people are going to quit their jobs after this podcast? <laughs> yeah. I, I have to follow
0: quit. Like I have, no, no, no. Up, like, yeah. I have a, a lot of people that are like, dude, I did it. I quit my job. I'm like, dude, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> you have but, kids. Yeah. <laughs> dude, I've had some people quit. That I'm like, it wasn't time.
1: Yeah, but well, uh, how do you know when it is,
0: you know? Right, and it was kind of the culmination of things for us. Like, it really was early to jump as far as, like, the career side of it goes. Mm-hmm. But me and my wife had gone through, like, years of getting out of debt. It was something that we were already working on, and we got the wheels, like, turning on that because we just decided that we were getting held down by, by debt. Like, we had house debt, car debt, credit card debt, everything. And yeah, we just buckled down, and, and when we got fully out of debt, I was like, I can feel like I can do anything now feel totally mm-hmm. free yeah that's yeah and we were driving me and my wife one day were going i think we were going to or from marriage counseling which is kind of funny but um <laughs> i was whining. i love your honesty man <laughs> i do it's awesome it's true she uh we were going to to marriage counseling and, and uh, i was whining about my job i'm like i hate working there like why do i even go there you know mm-hmm. and she's like well why don't you quit like she told me she's like you either gotta quit bitching or you gotta quit and I'm like, okay. So I called my that's boss. A woman right there, man. <laughs> while we were yeah. driving. <laughs> I like it. And I said, hey, I'm putting in my two weeks. I'm done. And he's like, okay, cool. So, Damn, that's, that's it? That's it, yeah. And I'm like, I had no plan. And so I um, just had like maybe 20,000 Instagram followers. That was all I had. No YouTube, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you got word of it from somebody. Yeah,
2: somehow I found out you were quitting. Yeah. You either told me or...
0: And he called me like the day, and he's like, "Dude, you have to YouTube all this. Like, you have to share this with YouTube." Mm-hmm. So my final day of work, I made my first like official YouTube video, and I was just clocking out and like walking out. And
2: yeah, I was like, "Dude, you need to document that moment. You hit the timestamp on whatever you clock in and clock out on, like film, yeah. and talk about how you feel." Mm-hmm. That's and awesome. That that video is always fun to reflect back on. But man, it that just was a, such a boost. Even just that first. Yeah, vlog. It's so relatable. Right,
1: right. Because, dude, I get what it's like to work a job that you hate. Right. I mean, most people do. Yeah. Most people have a job, like, before I was doing this full time, which I could be back at a job. You know, it's just you never know. That's why you got to keep – that's why you got to stay stressed to a point. Like, really? That might sound unhealthy. Or maybe I have an unhealthy (laughs) mindset, like – Stay stressed to motivate you yeah, to totally. keep doing stuff, I guess. Maybe I need to reroute how I think about things, but it's just scary, right? Like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm one year in, mm-hmm. but like, I know it was like every day. Like I just felt like I was being held there just cause I had to be there and I did all this work, podcast work on the clock. Right. You right. Know? Like, thanks John Deere. But <laughs> um, yeah, that's scary, man. But
0: it's cool that you did it that way. Yeah. I was, I was glad how it went down. Like, uh, the video I felt like turned out really good and it really attached people to the story. Mm-hmm. And if you go look at that video, there's hundreds of comments of people like, dude, you got, this, this is going to be so cool. And so I just really tried to catalog like the daily of what it's like to try to work in the hunting industry. Mm-hmm. And like, I wasn't sure what my goal was. I was hoping that it would be something through YouTube, but I, I said in the beginning, like if I get a cool job in the industry, that's cool too. Yeah. And I just started kind of scrapping. There was like, a local camel company, and they would hire me to help, like, do returns on inventory and stuff. And, yeah. Um, I would just mostly make shed hunting videos. So mm-hmm. I would just, like, drive all night. I had two little teeny kids, and my wife would – she was teaching at the time. So I'd stay with the kids all day. She'd get home from work, like, on a Friday, and I would leave. And I would drive to Nevada to pick up elk sheds and pick up as many as I could make as many videos as I could and then try to be back for her to go to work on Monday that's awesome man. and we ran it like that for a long time and just kind of kept fighting through it and kept the youtube going until it grew to the point that i could get some sponsors coming in and get a little bit of money flowing here and there sell some antlers do side work flip stuff on facebook whatever it took for for like five six years to where it kind of now feels like oh i can do this and earn a decent living yeah and a lot of it just came i feel like my process was so much shorter than a lot of guys out there, especially just because I had so much help from these guys. They yeah. were so willing to share contacts and to help me out and be like, hey, try this on your YouTube. Or if you're talking to a partner, like here's the terminology, here's the, here's the way to phrase it, here's how you do a contract. So, yeah,
1: almost like how to market yourself. You totally.
0: Know? Yeah, so the learning curve was a lot shorter for me, and mm-hmm. I was able to monetize a lot quicker just because a lot of, like a lot of guys like Hush had paved the way. Yeah. So I'm super grateful for that.
1: Dude, that's awesome, man. I love like your tra- both your guys' transparency with telling the whole thing cuz like one thing I'm running into is like our brand is working-class hunter, right? And so we always, we're all come from different work backgrounds. Mm-hmm. When I so we signed a deal with Drury Outdoors, which is the king of whitetails, I don't, mm-hmm. you know. I'm sure people know him out west, yeah, of course, we you know, but oh, yeah. um, so we produced a series for them and like that was a big step in me. Like Mark gave me a chance and we worked that out. But then I remember when I first quit my job all, I got so much judgment of like, you got to change your brand name. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but working class doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to be miserable. Right. It doesn't mean you have to have a boss. Right.
2: Right. That's such a funny topic. And, and Ben and I, and even Martin, we've had these conversations where it's like, you'll have people root for you when you're grinding on a, a nine to five and yep. they, they love to follow you. They'll buy your hats. The moment that you kind of like, level up a little bit and maybe mm-hmm. you can quit and you start going full time on on the hunting gig or whatever yeah there will be people who will t- just turn their backs to you and just say yeah i liked him better when he, he was sold out i liked him better yeah. when he was yeah. you know working a regular job and yeah he was doing this on the side and this is kind of a weird mindset, right? Like
1: it's so weird. And the I think the most common, most obvious place people see it is musicians. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a huge Zach Bryan fan. Mm-hmm. I I knew Zach Bryan before he got huge, and I remember like listening to my wife. I hope this dude blows up because people need to know about him. They blew up. Yeah. Now if I was like, I don't like Zach Bryan. Now he's <laughs> <like> mainstream. <laughs> it's like, yo, yeah. hey, same thing. Keep dude. rooting for the guy, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I can get if all of a sudden you became a complete d bag. Yeah, you got a reason for people to be like, God, he he thinks he's full time now. He's just a big old douche, you know. Hockey <laughs> so, yeah. and yeah, rude. yeah, yeah. I get that, right? You know, but it's weird, right? It's weird to navigate. Mm-hmm. But also, too, it's like I work more hours now, totally, than I did when I was working class. Five, you know for what I mean? Sure. Yeah, because I'm willing to dedicate all my time to it. Where I gave deer, you know, eight to ten hours and they were lucky to get me to show up on a Saturday, it, you know, cause I wanted to do this. This is my other thing. So it's like, yeah, I'm working all the time. Yeah. Now, the phone but, never shuts off. Yeah. This is part of it. But so I'm thankful that you guys kind of went through that and explained some of it because I think people need to hear it. And I know there's somebody that has a passion, whether it's hunting or whatever it is, that's at a job they don't like that might listen to us to get through their work day. That's this episode's kicking them in the ass. To maybe take a step forward yeah, i feel comfortable that with, with, you, you know? so. Yeah, so. you got to have that fire, man. That's what
0: I remember most about it. the whole thing is just like that's where 100% of my free time was and my brain was just like, I have to do this. If I don't, I'm going to always regret it. Yeah. So if you have that fire, you
1: got to chase it. You got to find a way to chase it. For sure. I think so. Like, don't – you have? To, you can't ignore it. Right. Right. And that's all I could think of was like, dude, mm-hmm. I don't want to be older and be like, man, I could have done it. Be that guy who always said, I, I could have done this. But, right. Well, yeah. You know. But, you know, I mean, it, but long-term, and I'm sure you guys will have your long-term goals, like, and I would love to do this as long as possible, but also I do kind of want to work one day for, like, a big hunting company and, like, marketing or something like that just because it's part of my interest, you yeah. know what I yeah. mean? Like, I can see my, like, always doing work in class, always doing podcasts, always doing – I just enjoy the conversation of it, but I think actually working – I would do it, you know? Yeah. Like if, if it meshed right up, I thought that'd be a good time. Yeah. And use the podcast to kind of like bring in value mm-hmm. to a yeah, company. I always thought I the same. Like
2: if, if this ended, it'd be fun to be still in the industry and take the knowledge I have on like YouTube and social media and grow yeah. or manage like a bigger company's uh, social platform for sure because it's still so underutilized. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of room for that. Like people, the people who come to me and ask like, what, what is the hunting industry need or is missing? and i 'm like digital graphics, website design, social media marketing mm-hmm. like those those tools if any anybody out there has those type of things, you can come into the hunting space and do really well for yourself,
1: yeah, definitely, too, and like being creative with like original content like it's hard to come in like there's a lot of like your guys' you know podcasting video stuffs related but different, like I think people will try to get like hot topics and make a clip off one topic and think that one clip is going to like take their episode, their podcast. I I know podcasts. That's all I really know. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you need to have like good conversation on every episode and not just go for the clicky stuff. Because in podcast, you want people to listen to your episodes, not just, Hey guys, sorry to interrupt, but we have a couple more, um, I guess, business to take care of. But there's some exciting news. Uh, The podcast is brought to you by Trophy Line. TrophyLine.com. And I think our new active code for Trophy Line is WCB2310. Okay, what's cool? That's new from Trophy Line 1. Of course, the new Onyx platform. But the new Venatic saddle is now in color options. So brown or black, which is cool. I am running the black one. The brown is slick. This is new. Um, It's USA made, uh, 20 ounces um, for the saddle. That's without the bridge, 30 ounces, including bridge and uh, carabiner. Super light, made in USA, and reliable. Use code WCB2310. I got to get used to these new codes, so I'm kind of like stumbling over myself. Uh, The podcast also brought to you by SpyPoint Tro cameras. The new Flex S is out. So the Flex, the easy cell cam setup functionality of the Flex now has a solar panel on top to save yourself money on batteries. So the Flex S and the Flex, there's two options. The Flex S will be out summer of 2023, so keep an eye out for that. Don't have a code for spy point. We need to get one. Um, also, Camel Fire. Right now, you get on Camel Fire. I have not seen this on Camel Fire yet. Um, new deals loading, CamelFire.com. New deals load, reloading in 13 hours, so Deals are up on the main page. These deals will expire eventually, and new deals will come up. So right now they have a bunch of badass handmade knives, 50% off, $62 for a badass knife. Um, There's knives, there's jackets, there's hats, there's base layer clothing, there's everything you need really at some point will be on camo fire. So like I always say, keep an eye out on camo fire for your hunts that you have coming up. So there's all sorts of cold steel stuff on here now. Um, dang, there's some pretty cool stuff I didn't even know was on here. Axes, shovels, stuff like that for camping, even off-roading, all that. So check out CamelFire.com. You can download the app. Um, That's dangerous but effective. And then you just hide the app in a folder and your wife will never know you're buying stuff. She's spending all that money on Starbucks at Target. Treat yourself. Check out Camel Fire. Tell them we sent you. Uh, the podcast also brought to you by Thermoseat. Uh, we're talking tree stand seeds, the D wedge season's coming up here, uh, coyote hunting, turkey hunting. You can use code WCTS at thermoseat.com. Save yourself some coin. And Dialed Archery. Um, we have a podcast coming soon with Scott from Dialed. Um, you can get on dialedarchery.com. You can use code Working Class, all caps. Save yourself some money on free shipping. And we do have an announcement. I didn't announce this in the beginning. We are doing a trade show giveaway. Right now we're giving away an Elite Omnia, and we're going to give away a dialed site. So if you come to the shows, come see us, ask us how you can get entered. It's free to enter. Um, Just approach us. We'll tell you how to do it. Super simple. It's more streamlined than it has been in the past. We used to have people fill out tickets. We're doing it all digital. Easy, fast. Enter have your stuff entered you could win a new dialed site the arxos dovetail um from dialed archery and you can pick your color and all that stuff so check them out dialed use code working class save yourself some coin and let's get back to the episode thanks for putting up with my shit miss thursdays with saltwater experience brought to you by golden boat lifts every thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment a tick so how yeah.
2: does a company do better like like a, say a bigger company yeah like yeah um I know a lot of – I would say a lot of companies are fearful of this, but they kind of need to put a face to the brand. Yeah, yeah. Someone who is relatable, someone who is actively on social media, just giving updates. Hey, what's up, guys? Like, I'm out here doing this. Like, we're test shooting this broadhead, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, And just honestly, like, we we call it dumb it down. Like, when Casey and BMAC and I were in these meetings, a lot of the companies were like, how did you guys do this? Like, what did you do? And we just go, dumb it down. And it's kind of the Gary Vee, I guess, really. is like not everything has to be polished, right? It mm-hmm. used to be like TV episodes were polished, magazine edits were polished, everything was so professional. It was like yeah. unattainable, really. Yeah. And I'd just say that big companies can get someone to kind of represent their brand that, that they, they trust and they like and has a likable personality that's positive and has energy. Right. And just kind of let them run with it. You know, all these companies want to micromanage every little tiny little thing. But the companies need someone who's active on social mm-hmm. media. You know, you can't just po- post promos and have people connect with their brand, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I would it, you can see it right now, right? All the influencers, whatever you want to call us. I hate the, I hate the word, but it sucks, yeah. The influencers are the ones in the, it's growing and you can see it already. They're the ones who are going to have the power to build brands. Mhm. I mean look at the fish fishing industry right now and like Guggen Squad and all the people who've come together to make their own rods, their own reels, their own swim baits. Like I'm not saying like Hush is gonna be a bow manufacturer one day, but um it's the it's the influencers and the personalities that are gonna be able to to grow brands.
1: That's like transparency to your brand a little yeah, bit. Exactly.
2: Too. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I but I also on the flip side I think companies can kinda hire someone to be somewhat of a face who's very active and and engaging with the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
3: It's easier to relate to a face than a brand. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is,
0: yeah. I think people are genuinely interested in kind of the behind the scenes of what goes on with these companies too. Like one of my companies, that I think does the best job with this. I don't know if you guys follow Marsupial Gear or not. He makes Mm -hmm. the bino harnesses. But Mm -hmm. he's my buddy Jimmy just jumps on the stories and he's like, this is what we're working on. Mm -hmm. Shows the shop, shows the process. And and like uh, me who is 0% interested in manufacturing bino harnesses, I watched that and I'm like that's so interesting and yeah. just cool just to see the process and he's really personable. So I think like Eric said putting a face to the brand and then just like pulling back the curtains a little bit. You don't have yeah. to pretend
1: that everything's so corporate. Yeah, that's one thing I like about like your guys's channel and stuff too cuz like our YouTube is like we don't put any effort into it. It sucks. And it's like <laughs> and then I watch it and I'm like, "Man, we should." I was like, "But like what I think like what do we do to like get engagement on it?" Mm-hmm. But it's like you guys are, like, personally like talking to the camera. You're seeing more than just, like, a shot. You know what I mean? So I can see what you're saying. Like, people want to see what you're doing, Tim. Yeah. You know, just in general.
2: Yeah. Some I can't remember who told me this, but um, humans, like, we're, we're just naturally, like, uh, curious, mm-hmm. you know, about other humans. And the one little example, I cannot remember where this came from, is say you're driving through your neighborhood at 2 a.m., lights are off, lights are off this house lights are on and someone walks by the window like it's it's you can't help but wonder what are they doing up like wonder what they're doing right now you yeah know? yeah so it's kind of a weird <laughs> a weird example but people are interested you know in other people and one thing we have to for for uh remember as the creators is things that seem dumb or mundane to us are interesting to others mm-hmm. that's know? what i don't
1: think i can tap into like i'd be a terrible vlogger
2: You just feel like everything you do is boring. Well, yeah, it's
1: like nobody wants to see that.
0: That's how I think about it. Uh Yeah. And it's true in some cases, right?
2: Like there's people that don't want to see that.
0: But then there are people who like, whether it's out of boredom they want to watch it or whether they're trying to learn something about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like something is like shooting your bow, simple as shooting your bow in the backyard or whatever. Like people, there are people who will tune into that and be like interested in that. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm always surprised by that too. Like the little things when I meet people in public, they're like, hey, man, I saw in this video like – you had this going on in one of your videos. I'm like, who would pick yeah. up on that? Yeah, yeah. And they'll ask you about it. It's interesting. That is interesting.
1: Well, I remember like some of the because growing up in the Midwest, it's like I didn't grow up watching anything Western based. Rarely mm-hmm. until and just how we talked off the podcast yesterday or whatever. Like you guys watched some white tail. You know, it's more the other way because all that was TV. Main TV was white tails. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting because I'm like, man, I, the whole time you guys had to be screaming. Like, give us more of what we do. Yeah, like you know, show us
2: a mule deer, show us some elk, you know. Yeah, and
1: meanwhile, I'm just like, yep, there's Michael Waddell, you know, which is like he, he's the best, you know. But uh, I don't remember where I was going with it. But, like, oh, I guess once I started watching more, like, Western-related content, you know, that's where I became aware of, like, some of you guys, what you guys do and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, one video that pulled me in was you showing off, like, where you have all your taxidermy and your setup and stuff. So I guess it goes to the point I'm like, what's this guy got going on? That's pretty cool. You
2: yeah, I mean? see, like, that's a perfect example of, like, somewhere that I'm I'm there often. I see those animals and that taxidermy often. And even I forget, like, this is a dream. I mean, which it is even for me. But, like, I can go through and show this probably every day. Mm-hmm. And there's people that would never get sick of it. Yeah. But sometimes I just think, oh, what? I got nothing to film. I got nothing to talk about. And I have, like, 200 antlers in there to talk about, you know? like Yeah, yeah. But – yeah, it's you know the the whole vlog and and being relatable and being vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, putting yourself out there to be criticized and stuff. Um, that's what allows people to kind of get to know you and yeah. feel like you know feel like they, yeah, feel like they know you. I guess so. Casey Nyestat, he's a big YouTube vlogger, and he's a filmmaker, like Hollywood status, and a lot of his colleagues, from what I heard, anyways, through his story like made fun of him for making these YouTube vlogs, you know, cause they're not like cinema movies and mm. stuff. And he's like, dude, I make a movie every day because yeah. he's putting up a vlog every day. But he said a line that stuck with me early on in my YouTube career. He said, people don't just come to YouTube for entertainment anymore. They come for friendships. Mm. And that was like, dang, that's powerful, right? We all yeah. come to be a part of the community and right, get right. to know people and, Comment in the sections and engage. and So he said that, and that was coming from someone with, like, millions of subscribers. It's like, oh, wow. Wow, yeah, that's powerful. I got, well, I got to hop on this train, and I, it's I get it. a good way to look get, at I it. it. I totally get it.
0: Yeah, it's surprising too how many people come up to you in public, and they're like, dude, I feel like I know you. I feel mm-hmm. like I know you so well. And I'm like, "Well, I don't know who you are. Get, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, totally not. But Yeah, we know. But, yeah,
1: that is cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's,
0: it's a good way to connect with people.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you're motivating me to want to vlog shit just to try, Whoa. it, you know. But it's like, oh, talking to myself, dude. dude I've
3: noticed that you've been doing it more though.
1: On what though? I haven't put out a vlog. <laughs>
3: well, not necessarily a vlog. On stories. i put on, on your stories. On my stories. Yeah. Before, dude, you never filmed yourself. Here's the thing, I, dude. I'm telling you, it's interesting. It's like, okay.
1: I know. Like, I get it now, and I get it. Like, you kind of like flipped a page in my brain of like creativity. I think really, I'm not just saying it because you're here, but it's like I never really thought about it that way mm-hmm. but I guess I always thought of it was like no one cares what I'm doing yeah. as a whole as because you know we have a few guys on our crew you know like yeah not just like oh what's Kurt doing like let me just take our platform over I don't know I guess but maybe oh, yeah, I just yeah. need to get over that because that's not probably how some people see it I guess
2: yeah isn't that like the imposter syndrome basically like yeah. where you don't feel you know like maybe
1: that's what it is
2: worthy well, of that situation like yeah why do not want to watch me that's like the imposter syndrome
1: Yeah, I guess that is. I don't know. But
2: it was funny. So early on in in YouTube when I started working with Casey, he's my partner, um, up to that point, he basically had hunting episodes, right? Like Mm -hmm. full-length hunt films. And when I got on board, him and I had these talks like, we need to vlog on the hunting channel. Mm -hmm. So we uploaded – we went turkey hunting and (laughs) did a vlog. It was like, what's going on around camp, driving around the truck, like – we filmed an ant, like, take a piece of jerky away from us. Like, it was a, random tr- it was a true vlog, like, hunting vlog. Like, the stuff that, like, didn't make the cut for any type of turkey hunting film. Yeah. And it was so funny to see the transition, and it didn't take long, and people admitted this to our face. When you guys started putting up these vlogs, like, this is stupid, this is retarded. What, that was in a hunt video? Really? Before I know it, I'm glued to your channel. So even the people that didn't understand the vlog early on, and even yeah. to this day before you know it they're glued to it that natural curiosity yeah, kept it coming back. it is and it's like hey wonder what they're up to like let's go you know see what they're doing and most of the stuff we do is relatable yeah so yeah. they can you know kind of relate yeah that's know, cool hanging around campfire or whatever eating snacks stuff like just the nonsense you know yeah
1: no it's really cool they got my brain turning but also it also makes you want to go back and just like Deep dive on all your guys's content now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm that, like, I'm that, going back.
2: That's one of the funnest things to do. As I uh, started to spend more time on YouTube, if I found someone who was getting momentum, mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do is go to their channel, go to the videos tab, and see where did they start. Yeah. And my buddy Jared Outlaw, he's a perfect example. And <laughs> for those of funny. you who know Jared, funny, dude. Like he's such a, he's such a funny person, great personality. Um, he's done so well in the business adventures that he's part of mm-hmm. and a lot of it is like tobacco chewing tobacco and and replacement pouches and i don't know that's not my space but what i did is i went back to his youtube channel and here's just some punk kid on the rooftop in the middle the middle i don't know where he lives i was yeah. in colorado i don't know yeah, back, but he's know. talking about uh tobacco and then like started doing reviews and then it just it just he never stopped, but I still to this day wonder like, why the heck would you even put up a YouTube video like that? Yeah. Uh, so it's really fun to go back into people's archive. Like, how did they start? What were what were their edits like? What what were they doing? What were they saying? Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite thing to do on like big big YouTubers.
1: Yeah, I guess for podcasts, I'd just be going back to episode one. Yeah,
2: and, like, where did these guys start, how awful it is. Yeah, I mean,
1: and hear the noise, quality, sound quality, and everything.
2: Oh yeah it's funny it's funny to see <laughs> don't do that <laughs> dude i get so embarrassed by our first like what episode is this do you guys number them I don't yeah
1: this would be 500 and uh this might be into the 560s at this point that's I don't, a long time you dude. said you've been going since 2015 yeah so yeah so, uh march 2nd of 2015 was our first launch. that's crazy so i guess man. we could pull up and see what we have launched now um because i have a couple you know while we're down here hunting that are gonna launch but it's sad i don't remember but i just do them you know yeah um this will be you guys will be close to we have 552 out now, um, to 553 launches this week. So. That's cool. I
0: think. What do you? How many YouTube episodes do you think you've done?
2: Um, the Hush page has 1,300. Damn, that's a lot. I that think is a lot. A lot. Oh, it's a lot we work. we did we would do what we call the best season yet and put up a, vid- a, a video a day for like 85 days straight. How? It's just nonstop, man. Like go on a hunt, film it. Upload it as fast as you Chop can. Chop it you know? up and get it up there. Yeah, we had a little bit of a of a gap from when it was recorded to when it was uploaded, but yeah. once it started, it went for eighty five days straight. You that's know, no matter what happened, and and so our our seasons and series have adapted over time. Yeah, but it really was those ones that were day to day. Even though a lot of people said, "Hey, next year I'd trim out the fat," you know, like mm-hmm. the vlog stuff and the day daily stuff. Yeah, but that that's the one that probably got people to get to know us on that next level yeah i can like see really that. deep dive into our yeah our personal life at mm-hmm. home life even some of our relationship stuff and that's a hustle stuff. man well jury but, does
1: that they do the deer season like during season they're pretty much like semi live, kind of like yeah. that but that's that's so much work yeah we, so much work
2: we did a still to this day one of a lot of people's favorite is our uh, semi-live colorado mule deer series mm-hmm. so we would film that day edit it that night and upload it in the hotel and hope that it would upload the next morning. So Just people, by the, the shitty internet in the hotel? Were, yeah, yeah. People were watching what we were doing the next day.
0: Wow. Yeah, that was – dude, those were epic, man. The first – those semi-lives, I remember watching all those while I was a janitor in the closet. Custodian. Yeah. You're a custodian. Let's talk you about it. You should have been working There's a couple of phrases <laughs> there. I was in the <laughs> not in the closet, and
1: I also was a custodian. You're a custodian. <laughs> but I was – anyway. So do you, have you ever had anybody through that semi-live series be like – I know where they're at. I'm going to go meet them guys. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there was <laughs> there was some times where we put out content of a big buck that people would see it and hunt it. Oh, really? The next season. Um, not a big deal, man. It's like a double-edged sword what we do. I'll we'll yeah. say that all day. Like What we do to film our favorite shed hunts, to film our favorite hunts, OTC hunts, a lot of public land, mostly public land other than this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because people are gonna get wind, and hey, you know, it, I always—it's nothing's wrong with it, but like the young kids in town. Oh, we saw Eric, and then it spreads like wildfire. Mm. Oh, he's hunting down that such and such a road. Yeah, yeah. Picked up all those sheds down that one road. I saw him in the truck, you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it's a double-edged yep. sword. But I always have to think like the big picture of of a, what I do, at least personally, is to change lives positively daily by sharing the things I love Mm -hmm. and you know we want to acquire more hunters we want to get more awareness about conservation and then be able to give back to the community so if I've got to like I don't know someone's going to see the bull I'm hunting or find where I pick up sheds but the big picture is one I get to do this for a living and I get to have this freedom to go hunt and travel and hang out with guys like you guys Mm -hmm. and then on top of that you know you might lose a a public lion spot I, I just don't care. <laughs> I respect that.
1: Yeah, that's cool.
2: I, I'd trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything, you know.
1: It's such an interesting thing. It's like in the Midwest, everyone's so weird about property because there's not like the public land that's like, man, it's so – like we, we, guys up in the Midwest don't even post trail camp pictures because the next thing you know, someone's trying to get you kicked off a lease yeah. or something like that. But, but it would be different if it was like there was more public and all that. But I, I like that. I like your perspective on it, you know. I think that's probably the healthiest yeah, perspective to have. I could right?
2: let it eat me away and, you know, really piss yeah. me off and put me in a bad mood and have a bad attitude about it that someone found my favorite OTC elk area. But at the end of the day, like, again, because I have the time and now I have the resources, I'll just find another spot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you are thought out, man.
2: You, have, you, you seem like you have a very healthy
1: mindset.
2: I've been lucky. I, I can say that. Like, I guess just naturally my brain is wired um, optimistic, yeah, and positive. I'm very lucky. You—that's that's I didn't cool. realize that until I got a little older, and people would just start, "Dude, why are you so happy? It'd be mm-hmm. so nice to be so easygoing as you. Like, yeah. what's it like?" And I'm like, "You're not like that.
1: Not everybody is. I'll yeah. be—I'm not wired that way. I think I'm wired. I won't—I lean negative, really? but I'm—it's part of my humor a little. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying as I get older to be. Happier and well, not that I'm like sad. I walk around. Yeah. Sat, it sounds bad. Sad hunter. <laughs> you know, like, see, I guess, dude, I
3: wouldn't. I would not say that about you. You though. wouldn't
1: see. I feel that way internally, though.
3: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but from the outside perspective, I'm like, yeah. Okay. It's happy go lucky. Well, that's dude. good. I'm not a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can be a dick. Yeah, but but, but oh, for you're sure, you're a happy one. Definitely, you're a happy one. You smile when you're a dick.
1: But I, I catch those vibes off you. Yeah. Let's, let's all talk about ourselves for a minute, Ben. I, you're, I feel like your sense of humor is on closer to my vibe a little bit. Good. Yeah, I like that. For me, like, that's – not more, calling you a pessimist, but
0: – Right, yeah. I, I don't think I, – I feel like I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I always have been. I always just think the world of myself. I'm like, I could do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do well, that's whatever. good. Yeah. No, so, I, I mean, I've always had different times with that. But um, for me, like, I just really want hunting to be fun. Like I, sure. get, I think like when I got into it, especially it was like this really serious era of hunting mm-hmm. and it was like magazines and dudes not smiling and like, yeah, tough guy. Yeah. So serious about it. Like just like, a I don't know how to, a nice way to say it, but it was just, it was sad. it was like sad hunters, like you know, <laughs> I mean, like hunters. people like like frowning <laughs> and looking at their bucks and looking all serious. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, yeah, yeah. When I kill a deer, like I get pumped, yeah. I get yeah, psyched. And I've seen that. Like I love hunting. About like dude, it's Devon tough to smile smile next to Devin. It's so wound <laughs> up, bro. And Eric dude. too, man. It's just like that's what it's up. Like yeah. if you go watch that kickstand video that Hush just put out, like the this excitement that you can feel. Like that's why I got into it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if I can make it funner for people. Or, like, I want to watch people who make it fun, not people who are like, oh, it's so sacred, you know? Because, like, yeah. it is, but you don't have to act like you're a monk, you know? Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. It's so true. But, yeah, like, there's times to, like, buckle down and be serious. I don't know. I feel like that's how we hunt together, kind of. Yeah. Like, I feel like I joke around. I'm like, all right, I got to quit joking around. People are trying to glass. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like, I'll say, I'm in the background saying d- dumb shit. It's like, all right, shut up. Shut your <laughs> mouth for a little bit. These guys are trying to find a deer, but. No, I, sad hunters is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm using that forever. <laughs> Don't be a sad hunter. Yeah, that's good. Well, I enjoyed the conversation, fellas. I appreciate you taking the time and hunting. Hold on. To we got to
3: talk about a little bit about Mexico, dude. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, no, I did have something I want to do. Thank okay. you for bringing us up. <laughs> I want each of you guys to sell me a, a Mexican coos deer hunt because people that are listening, they're like, no interest. Mm-hmm. I want you to give a sales pitch. On a Mexican coos deer hunt. Right? Let me
3: let me start it off, okay? I'm going to give you a sales pitch about Mexico, and then these okay. guys can pitch the coos deer. So why I love coos deer hunting, dude, is not just because of the hunt, mm-hmm. but I love the atmosphere of Mexico. And most, maybe most people don't like that, but when you cross that border, dude, it's like you just stepped into a whole different world. Like when we first... You haven't gone through the border border that we typically cross yet. Yeah, but it's like you're in the U.S. You're an hour and a, an hour away from Tucson. You cross that border, and there's this small little Mexican town, and they live in these little cement buildings, mm-hmm. and it's like you're now stepping into what is this? Like a second world, third world eh, country. Yeah. And to me, that's just so fascinating. And now that I've been down here for ten years, dude, I've experienced running into the cartel I've experienced running into the cartel spotters where they're up on the same Hill that we want to be on. And they're looking for the federalities, making sure that they don't find their drug runners. Mm -hmm. And I've never had a bad experience. We leave them alone. They leave us alone. But to me, dude, that might scare your listeners. (laughs) Everyone's
1: like, yeah, I'm out on that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But to me, dude, that's what I find so fun about Mexico is I've never ran into anything. And over the, Ten-plus years I've done it, I've probably been in really sketchy areas that most people would think are sketchy. But to me, dude, nothing has ever happened. Seeing the culture, the food, trying to understand what they're saying when I have no idea. And we're just using, (laughs) like, sign language. (laughs) Thumbs up. Thumbs down. One of my best – you haven't experienced this yet, but one of my favorite parts about Mexico, dude, is you got this rental car. And, dude, you're just cruising. You get full You get full coverage. And after a long day's hunt, dude, you just blast some music, whether it's, like, some rap that maybe Ben might like or yeah. some old country that I might like or maybe with a little Elsa. <laughs> Who knows, dude? But you just bump that music, dude, and you start cruising on that dirt road back to camp. I don't know, dude. That's what I love about Mexico, but the coos deer are cool, too. Yeah. How do you
1: say dude in Spanish? Bato.
3: Bato. Bato, bato. Oh, yeah, bato. How many ribbit. batos? You can't sell
1: me a Cusdier hunt. You sold me on Mexico just now, but sell me a coos deer. You guys
3: want me to sell it or do you want to sell it? You sell it. I
1: figured everybody could have their own pitch.
3: Oh, yeah, we'll talk we'll be we'll tough. Top it. So besides that, the other thing about coos deer, dude, it's kinda of like a friendship hunt, camaraderie hunt, like what Eric was talking about before. Because it does get tough, but like most of these ranches are cattle well, all of them are cattle ranches. So they all have cattle on them. So with that there's a bunch of roads that they have built already. So they can go check their water tanks, their corrals, or go to the other ranch or house or whatever it may be. So it's easy to get around the, the ranch. So for coos deer, what we're doing here is we're driving around to a high point. We get out of our truck. We start glassing for a while. And I love the glassing game. If you hate glassing, you're probably not going to, like, <laughs> really enjoy it. But if you love getting up and just searching for deer... Then you're going to love that. And then once you actually find the coos deer, that's when it's like game on, dude. Mm -hmm. And that's like you've been searching for 30 minutes. You haven't seen anything. You've been searching for an hour. You haven't seen it. And all of a sudden something pops up. You're like, please be a buck. Okay, it's a buck. Okay, does it got an Okay, okay, how big is it? Mm -hmm. And, dude, that that thrill of like – it's just like sitting in a tree stand, dude. You've been sitting in there for three days. You haven't seen nothing. All of a sudden here comes that shooter buck, dude. And it's like that like heart-pumping thrill finally made all that time worth it. Yeah. So, dude, coos are different. You, they're, you know, they're just – they're cool. They're, they're hard to find. They're hard to kill. And if you love whitetail, you're going to love coos deer. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. There's nothing better than, like, messing with your little brother, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, solid pitch. So, yeah, that's it. I do I didn't sell it very well, but you could hear the passion. Oh
1: yeah, that <laughs> you know passion. the passion What's up? sells. We need to start doing more video podcasts. See Devin smile, just bouncing around that million dollar pearly whites. <laughs>
0: well, um, he probably
3: took a bunch
1: of you guys bullet points.
0: Dude, from your sales if you guys page.
3: want to see it, okay. So last year Eric was down here and he killed a stud of a coos, and we dude we were just hammering it out, and I think we both had a goal of like, dude, let's kill like two stud giant coos deer. Mm-hmm. And I think if it came down to it, Eric would have settled, but he didn't have to, dude. It was like day eight of our 10-day hunt. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what I wanted to I don't know if you want to tell this story, but if you guys want to see like what Mexico is all about, Eric did a three-episode video on his YouTube channel with Hushin. So what's the YouTube channel? Hushin. Yes. Just Hushin.
2: H-U-S-H-I-N.
3: So it's, it's Hushin, but if you guys want to see like what Mexico is all about. I can
1: take those episodes and put them in the episode description People, cool. There's people don't feel like looking, which is easy. But yeah, so we'll if make you guys even.
3: want the full experience, watch all three episodes. If you guys just want to see like how cool coos deer are, and you just want to see the hunt go down, yeah. What is it? There's three, right? Yeah.
2: Uh, there's definitely multiple episodes. But yeah, so check them out. Yeah, but, I think we did a good job documenting like what to expect, right? And that's what I like to do on these hunts because, yeah, you know, growing up, I never thought I'd be in this position to go to Mexico and do. Yeah. you know deer hunt so i like to document things with the idea of like show people what they can expect and also give them an experience that most of them will never have for sure but if anyone is interested in mexico um it is deer is fun because it's challenging like obviously it can be easy like uh there's high high racks out here a lot of the the outfitters will drive you around in high rack, which I've had that experience, but um, we don't like that. Don't do a high rack yeah, unless
3: per, you want to just shoot something. So for what, sure. It don't... just
2: depends on what experience you yeah. want. Right. When I went to Mexico the first time, this is before Devin, it was all high rack mm-hmm. and it just ate at me. Cause I'm the kid in the truck. Who's like hunting with dad going, what's over the next ridge, what's over the next ridge, you know? Mm-hmm. So I didn't enjoy that. It's obviously very effective and a lot of outfitters and stuff are able to harvest giant mule deer and giant coos deer from the high rack. Mm-hmm. Um, But if you can find somewhere where you can get out and hike, I think you're going to enjoy it because the terrain is unlike anything you've ever experienced. If you haven't been down here, Uh, it's just a, it's desert terrain. It's thick. The deer are very, very difficult to find. So Mm -hmm. if you like to glass, like Devin said, it's challenging. It's that's why it's so rewarding when you find them. Yeah. Because once you realize how small these things really are, what did it say? They uh, average like big buck can be a hundred pounds. Yeah
0: like like 80 to 100 yeah Yeah, that's big big buck
2: um they're very small and they're tough to find but uh if you like a challenge i think you like coos deer hunting and if you get out here and you get to glass some of this type of terrain what i've learned is there's obviously hot spots for the deer like it it just especially when it's hot like obviously the north facing slopes in the shade Mm -hmm. but you can almost find a coos deer anywhere there could be like a rock cliff face, and you can't count it out because I've seen them up there. Yeah. So it's really fun because it, you're motivated to glass, knowing that you can find anything at any time. Mm-hmm. They seem to get up and move and switch beds through the day, you know. So it's very glassable country. So, yeah. On top of that, it's the culture, it's the food, it's the tortillas. <laughs> yeah, a lot of tortillas. <laughs> Lots yeah, of tortillas. A lot of tortillas.
1: Yeah. I, by the way, I only have one day of coos deer hunting under my belt at the time of this recording, so. I'm also like – You're seasoned. Taking notes. Yeah, yeah. I know. More yeah. than
0: 90% of hunters, 95% of hunters now.
1: I'm on Instagram. I, I'm a pro. Yeah, dude. Got that
0: clout. Yep. So my sales pitch for a Cousant Mexico, I would say don't come because <laughs> tags are expensive and they're going to go up if everybody comes down here. Um, the border is super dangerous. There's definitely cartel everywhere. They're trying to get you. The food sucks The food I love, sucks. This. Food sucks. I love this angle <laughs> You have to eat it And they like put it in front of you And you have to eat it all And then they try to feed you again Two hours later then you gotta eat it all You'll gain like 20 pounds If you come down There's just coolers Full of cold beer everywhere So if you're trying to not drink beer It's not good for you It's tough There's all kinds
1: of stuff like that So don't come Hey I got it. one I got an add-on Let's they make you eat testicles Oh yeah We oh, did have dude. some testies We had last some testies oh. last
3: night We had a heart we had yeah. Martin's backstrap from his coos deer. By the yeah. way,
1: see the next episode.
0: Yeah, Martin's going to tell the story. We had some tripa, a little bit of tripe intestines today. Did you even know that was in your baked potato? No, yet for I lunch? ate it. I knew it, it was, was good. I right? didn't know. I don't. I mean, yeah, it was delicious. I uh, know, I would say like this is definitely the hunt for people who love the ambiance, who love the atmosphere. That's my mm-hmm. favorite thing. It's like Devin was saying, man, like you see that sunset, that cool it cools off at night, and they got a mesquite fire going with carne asada on it. You come back and cut it up as best you can with these guys that most of them don't speak any English, you know, it's yeah, fun, yeah. man. It's just, but fun. it's been
3: cool on this trip. Cause Ben speaks Spanish. Yeah. So like yeah. we need to say Good something Spanish, man. I mean, from, so like, from a white guy's yeah. perspective. <laughs> so if you guys are interested in coming down to Mexico, I've been doing this for 10 plus years now. And uh, the guy that's helped me come down here with you guys and everybody else is Thomas Baker mm-hmm. with burrow crazy outfitters. So if you guys are interested, you guys can always check him out. It's B-U-R-O, Crazy Outfitters. So or they can just hit you up, too. and you can yeah. Or you guys connection. can hit me up, and that's his Instagram account. So yeah, and he's got some me. giant deer on there. If yeah. you guys want to
0: see what mega coos look like, go check that account. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's killed some,
3: some
1: giants. And also, for the record, you did a great job getting these guys t- to talk about who they are. Cool. And I guess I, what I was – I should have done that from the get-go, knowing that we're a very Midwestern strong listening base – and some guys, even though you guys are huge and probably one of the biggest hunting content creators on YouTube, some of the Midwestern guys might not have tapped into that content yet.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of guys out there who still just for you know, just don't know who we are and that's cool. Like we're yeah. all about reaching new people and hoping that we can share a positive experience with anybody, whether they're a a Midwestern white tail guy, Coos Deer hunter from Mexico, it don't matter. For sure. Well Hey, if-
3: you tell the you can tell the good stories, you can tell the bad story, Eric. Of uh,
2: of this year or what? Of today. Yeah, I had a bad day. <laughs> I was gonna bring it up, <laughs> salt on the guy, dude. That's what I Eric does, day. though. That's what's cool yeah. about
3: Eric. Like when he does his YouTube stuff, it's like he shows the good, the bad. It's not just right you know, all success and kills. That's true. That's true. So I had yeah. to give him his opportunity.
2: Uh, probably missed like a 185 muley mm. and a 105 <laughs> to 108 whitetail today. Yeah. Cool. I could have had like the dream combo, like <sighs> In a, a tight giant. Window. Sonoran mule deer and a giant coos white tail, but I got none of them. <sighs> from so the same I've knob. got one. Yeah, from the same knob. <laughs> I got one more day. I got a morning hunt tomorrow, and I've got a bounce. Unfortunately, got a bounce early. Cut this year's trip a little short.
3: Yeah, last year we did ten. But you've been hunting a lot this year.
2: Yeah, so and that, that's you know I was thinking this like I love this hunt, but I'm like coming at the end of my season that I'm just kind of like a little bit over hunting. Not that you can be, but I'm tired.
1: You want to be home a little bit? Yeah, and, I want yeah. to be
2: home a little tired. That's like, understandable. I didn't... In the moment, like, cutting this trip short sounded all right, but now it sounds horrible. Right. I mm. want to stay. <laughs> yeah. So bad. Yeah. But uh, it's been a great camp, great, great trip. I'm glad I got to meet you on a trip. I know. Yeah, man. Devin's mentioned you and doing a podcast together, which I've always wanted to hop on with you. And yeah. Definitely got to do another one at some point. For
1: sure. Yeah, it was great meeting you guys, too. For It was For cool sure. to be able to... at least hunt together for a day and kind of it's funny like hunting brings so i would never know the people i know in my life it wasn't Mm. for hunting from mexico to south africa going you know what i mean it's like crazy the people you meet because of like one common interest it's a beautiful thing but you guys have been awesome i think we are everybody just got along right it's like of course we did we all share the same passions and stuff so (laughs) Um, so yeah, thank you guys. You yeah. guys ever come out to the, to the Midwest for a true Midwestern I'm so damn November hunt? Come by the studio, and we got a place for you guys to stay anytime. So, yeah, man. yeah.
0: Thanks for having us on.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. Um, I always close out every episode with "Go shoot your bow." That's what we do. So, you want shoot to shoot you do? You want to do? Yeah, there you go.